With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. This new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. It's, ugh, come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to look. I know we won a football match, um, and football is about winning. And if you'd lost, we would have criticised you. But because you won, and it's only against a certain team in a certain way at a certain point, you shouldn't be celebrating. Okay, so I just want to let you know that. Um, football isn't about winning. It's about only winning against the big teams. But then if you do an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. Hello, mate. Did you see that clip of uh, Mr. Richard Keyes? Oh, no, I've pur- I've seen it on my Twitter, but I've purposefully ignored it. I don't want to give it more. I don't want to give that sexist waste of oxygen more airtime. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just fucking stupid. What's the point? And I understand why why people are coming after him because it's also moronic to be whacking out the celebration police when for the first time in what, 18, 19 years, we've won our first four and we're top of the league after four games. Like, it's just madness that people are finding ways to, to dampen. Like, fucking hell. Literal shit is being pumped into our oceans. It's going to cost more to run your house than it is to fucking, I don't know, buy a house at this rate come six months time. The world is fucked. We're all going to die. Just let people have the football. Come on, just calm it, man. Jesus. I I do want to give uh, the sexist waste of space some airtime. Um, so the first 10 minutes of this point, no, it, it, the thing that annoys me about it is, and we will move on from it very quickly, if Richard Keyes was the sort of person who wouldn't criticise us if we... If we hadn't beaten Fulham. Had lost that game. If if we yeah. hadn't beaten Fulham and Richard Keyes was the sort of person who goes, you know what, no, fair enough, had a good start to the season, da, 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 then fair enough because you have both sides of the coin and I, under- I understand that. But it's like, it not only is it complete double standards because if we hadn't beaten them, he'd be all over it. Secondly, as you say, <laughs> climate crisis is coming, guys. So, you know, <laughs> just just enjoy what you can. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it, it is mental. The, 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 it's like forgetting what this whole thing is about. Enjoyment, fun. Uh, yeah, and th- to be fair, if if you don't mind me taking the reins for a minute, honestly, there has been a real change in the air about this football club. The Arsenal ultras are out in the clock end. I sat in the clock end uh, yesterday. I was at the game. And I've never heard the Emirates so loud. Bearing in mind, I heard it erupt post that Wolves, Lacazette, Jose Sarone goal. I've never heard the Emirates so loud. I've never seen it so busy. I've never seen the fan base so together. And I, this is a real family club with real, real, with real family values. Uh, No, with real family values. And the, the love and support and just admiration echoing through the ground at the moment is, is just unbelievable to hear. Um, and to kind of caveat this, like, so I, I went with my, um, Alex couldn't make the game in the end, so I went with my mum. Sorry, Alex Hatton. She was the one who took the ticket. Um, and we weren't sitting together. And then I, I I was just chilling with her before the game. And I ended up speaking to this really lovely Japanese boy. 
who was sat next to my mum, who, without knowing where I was sat, could have been in the gods, could have been the shittest seat alive, could have been sat in in front of seven foot five Chewbacca, like had no clue, offered to offered to switch seats with me, and I think that encapsulates for me a lot of what Arsenal and a lot of what football is about is is togetherness, is 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 bonding, is admiration, is is shared joy, and I just wanted to kind of tell that and echo that and that's that's what's coming back to the emirates is that feeling um and it, it's it is amazing to see it really is welcome back to the different Not podcast i hope you're doing well um arsenal two Fulham one at the emirates uh four games in a row at the beginning of the season for the first time that we've won since the 2004-2005 season it's the first time in 17 games that arsenal have not scored before the break but still gone on to win the match um, things are changing. Things are changing. I want to stick on the uh, on the game experience for a second, Brad, because yeah, as you said, you were at the stadium. Um, I couldn't make it. Uh, can you expand on that feeling? Because I th- I think this is this is the big thing that people are sort of, I guess, uh, overseas fans and 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 people who can't get to the to, to the game on match day are missing. But I feel translated translates through the screen. But yeah, what are you hearing? Because I think that's one of those things you, you you walk around the concourse and you hear you can hear sort of discussions around the game, etc. I see a lot of people, you know, like wearing the merch, etc., etc. It feels like we have an extremely um, engaged fan base at the moment, and I think we can come on to why in a second. But but yeah, I mean, I mean, talk us through that match day experience and, and sort of expand on what you're just saying. I mean, the word that just comes to mind is pride. You hear pride in an Arsenal fan's voice when they talk about their football club nowadays. It's 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 an amazing experience. And you hear chants for players like Granite Xhaka that you would never, ever have heard before. You Here's the most important thing that's really changed at the Emirates and the really important thing that you hear is we went down to... An absolute blunder yesterday. There's no hiding it. Gabriel, and we'll get onto the game, really fucked it a bit. You know, it was a bit of a stupid decision. There are other things in play, like El Neni should have been there to receive the ball, so should Tierney. But it, at the end of the day, I, I feel blame does majoritively kind of fall on Gabriel's head. That's the first time to this level that I have heard the Emirates roar after conceding a, a really stupid fucking goal to get the lads back at it. And for about 25 minutes after the goal went in, you couldn't hear. It was just constant. Constant chance, different... Uh, it might have been the Saliba one or Saka and Smith-Rowe or, or just even just shouting Arsenal, just consistent noise to drown out the Fulham fans and to get behind the lads. And that really translated on the pitch. The boys ran their socks off, especially come the end of the game. There's a few moments I can think of where like when we're still chasing it and Erdegaard's pressing out to try and win the ball back and stealing the ball back. Like it feels like it, it, it just feels like something's changed in the air around the Emirates. There's just overwhelming positivity and support and I think that's the thing that the the Arsenal have missed for a long time while we've been shit we've forgotten how to support our team and that we need to support our team and how the the 12th man actually works because it really does we saw it in full effect yesterday we conceded that goal and the crowd and other 10 players picked Gabriel up and got him back to his feet. You know, we scored the Erdegaard goal and the response from the crowd to that goal, because especially from where I was sitting and from what, from nobody could, nobody understood, like it, it, it wasn't really like a big, a big chance. It was obviously a deflected goal. It was a bit like, oh, has it gone in? And then the roar after it went in, just you saw an impetus post that. For, to press, to work, to get the ball. And I think we did fall back a little bit and get a bit nervous that we didn't want to concede again. But 
it's and actually to perfectly encapsulate this i had a pair of dickheads sat next to me and my mum and i think previously people would have just let them be like swearing and standing up in front of everyone the amount of people that told and there were kids behind them the amount of people that just told them to shut the fuck up or like sit the fuck down because we're here to watch our like just mm. because like it's like it's about the team it's about yeah. everyone it's about the experience of everyone there's an inclusivity yeah. around the around the ground at the moment and that was massively shown in the in the moment with the women's uh, team being paraded round the stadium like it feels like after losing some of our identity we've started to really claim it back and identity is is such a good word um because that's what it feels like. It, it feels like a a, re, a restatement. You know, we've. I feel like we've had an identity in the market this this year. It feels like our players are starting to to grow an identity and grow an identity as a unit, but also as individuals, but also as a club and as a a stadium and as a fan base. That identity is is really is really cementing itself. And and if I was, if I, I suppose the only thing I can say is if I was outside Arsenal, if I was a I don't know, an Everton fan or a United fan or a team not doing particularly well, I would be going, why can't we be like Arsenal at the moment? I'd, I'd be saying, you know, we're, we're, we're not where we want to be. No one's saying that. But in terms of the path that we're on, we are heading in such such a good direction. And it all, in the end, comes down to clarity. And and the th- the thing is, it's the messages that Mikel's putting out. I, d- I don't want to say it all comes down to Mikel. I was going to say that because it's, it's not quite fair. It goes through him in terms of the messaging and how he puts that across to the players, how he puts it across to the fans. But the club themselves are clear on what they want to do. They're clear in the market. They're clear in the messaging. They're clear in connecting with the supporters. They're clear in how they want to play on the pitch. Everything starts, you know, I, um, I can't remember who said this, but when Liverpool and City, uh, someone... Um, basically said that what they've done is they've said the first question is how do we want to play that is their first question and then everything else comes from that everything else and it's such a simple way of looking at it but I really really like it it's just the first question is how do we want to play and then everything else comes from that and I said said in in uh and, and I think the crowd and the supporters are part of that because you know how do we want to play well we, we, we want to play in a, in a stadium that is absolutely rocking and 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 has moments like that Saliba moment at, at, at Leicester where we we sort of pull him through after that, or has moments like the Gabriel moment yesterday. It's all part of it. And then when mm-hmm. you know how you want to be on the pitch and what you what your identity is, as you say, you can be you can be informed. And from the moment he stepped in the door, Arteta has constantly spoken about unity, identity clarity passion to the point of being mocked to the point of being you know it's it's slightly a meme i mean it's literally on a t-shirt you know what I mean? like but in the end what it did do yesterday no but it, you know I mean? it literally is in the end yeah. what it did do yesterday is i could feel even sat at home that gabrielle felt supported after that moment we didn't get any hands in the air we didn't get any support you know, supporters getting on his back. Okay, yes, of course, there's going to be your odd person here in the stadium and, and people on Twitter or on you know YouTube watch-alongs or whatever who are saying X, Y, and Z. But the vast majority of people have been pulled together by this thing, um, this emotional uh, connection, which ultimately is 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 the club. So, yeah, it, it's so so nice to be a part of, and we could go on and on and on about it, but. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it. It cannot be overstated the shift in energy and where that's come from is from everywhere. But as I say, I think it comes from just a, first and foremost a clarity about what we want to do and who we want to be, how we want to behave, and a lot of that comes through Mikel. So I, I, I think I think he he should be given a lot of credit. Absolutely, and for, he's been by me as well derided by lots of fans uh and i and listen i still think there's big places the man can improve on uh and i still think that there's amazing things that he can achieve in this job after a hundred games he has the second most wins for an arsenal manager just behind arsene wenger and when you consider he has a lot more losses he has a lot more losses 
and he has, you know, a lot less draws. But when you consider the fact that, like, I think you were probably just about to say this, sorry for coming across you. Wenger inherited Tony Adams, Lee Dixon, you know, what at the time was a world-class defence, some great midfielders, you know, Paul Merson up front. Like, we inher- he didn't inherit a bad team. Mikel Arteta's, <laughs> if you look at that fucking squad that Mikel Arteta played, it is honking. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, and you what can, a turnaround. And you consider the competitive landscape shift. You know, Wenger realistically for top four was competing with United, Liverpool, Chelsea, maybe one or two more. Now there's eight or nine teams who, who are all trying to get into, who all, who all have realistic chances of getting to the top four. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say Wenger, you know, Arteta is a better manager than Wenger. Obviously, you know, it takes time to sort of, um, to, uh, to, to, to show that over a period of time to, to be even considered in those conversations. But if the consistency continues and he continues to go, go on this trajectory, all we can say is it's very exciting that he's putting up a similar um, standard, especially considering the context. Um, yeah, it's so exciting, mate. It's so, it's so, 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 so exciting. Um, yeah, my word of the game is together. Um, I think the big thing for me, and kind of coming a bit more onto the game now, is the fact that we've now come from behind. You know, this was our big challenge last season that we, whenever we went down, we appeared not to be not to be able to do that. And as I said at the beginning, you know, in our last seventeen Premier League games, we have not. Um, we have not come from behind or if we haven't scored before half time, we haven't gone on to win the game. And that shows a shift. You know, it, I don't think it's an anomaly. Maybe, maybe we'll be sat here in, you know, 18 game weeks time again going, oh, well, you know, nothing changed. That was a, it was a complete anomaly. I somehow doubt it considering the, the, the shift in feeling and the shift in the uh, profile of the team and the shift in the, the way we're playing. I think it's a, a bit of a... It feels like a Chelsea moment. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a landmark moment. That Chelsea game. Yeah, yeah. And I saw a tweet actually that you liked, which I thought summed it up perfectly, which was this is how you grind out a result. Not you know, you know, sitting on the edge of your box, countering and getting a lucky goal a la Spurs. This was wave after wave after wave after wave of attack. Um our XG was at uh, I've got it on Scott Willis here. Our XG was at two and a half. Uh, we had 22 shots, eight shots on target, 19 open play shots. We had 71% of possession, 80% of the field tilt. I think we had the most touches in the opposition box since uh, in an Arsenal game uh, at home or possibly just at all since United in December 2017. You know, this was not a game where we were struggling particularly to create chances we were just struggling to, with that final moment of execution, and that happens. And you know, I saw in the in the post match uh, interviews, uh, both Mitrovic and Marco Silva decried luck, bitch and moan, which I, yeah. <laughs> which I understand, I get it, and they must they must feel frustrated. But actually, Marco Silva says it. He says, "But you do make your own luck. If you have that many chances, and you, you I'll come to you in a second. You you said in the stadium it didn't feel that way necessarily, but I felt we were absolutely." all over them pretty much from the start to the end. Um, we didn't have the same type of penetration. We didn't couldn't keep the ball quite as high because of the, the I think because of the personnel issue, which we'll come to as well in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I thought overall, this was a, a fantastic performance from Arsenal where we created a lot of chances, looked very, very dangerous and just couldn't find that final moment and uh, final sort of pass, final key action that would, that would, that would get us there. That just that final bit of mo- uh, bit of separation in the box or whatever it is, which we've had before in many many times, and it feels like we've just added an extra layer. And if we keep adding layers, if we can get a winger in, if we can add a if we can add a central midfielder, whatever we end up doing in the, in the last few days of the window, it feels as though those fine margins. This is the type of game that that would have been a draw last season. See what I mean? So you know, it feels like I I feel mm. this game feels like a a corner turned personally. Agreed. Two things. This also happened against an unbelievably well-coached low block. Yep. Like, Fulham are well-coached. Are Anyone listening, they will stay up this season. They have more of a chance of staying up than Everton, than Villa at this rate. You know, because sometimes it's not about the qualitative differences in players. You know, 
it's about the coaching when you get to that level down there in the league. And they are compact. They are combative. They're they're just a very well-coached team. Marcus Silva's a good coach. And uh, yeah, the, the chances thing is weird. I think it's like 100% down to my view of the game. And it's really interesting how it shapes that. I was sat up in the gods in the clock end. And I think pretty much most of our high value opportunities came in the second half when they were shooting at the other goal. Yeah, sorry. Fucking sounding like Andrew Tate over here. Um, The, yeah, most of those opportunities came at the opposite side of the pitch. So for me, and again, this is just an interesting thing to note if you're a match going fan, watch, even if it's just match of the day, watch the game afterwards. I'm going to do it today because I didn't feel like during the game we had a lot of high value opportunities and I didn't f- other than the, other than one Saka opportunity that that pulled a, a decent save from Leno um I didn't think our xG would have been as high I think we really dominated the ball that you know there was it was really fascinating to watch us in our really good spell shoot, spell shoot that way because you literally saw in front of your 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 face the just the squeeze consistently going up the pitch you could see the line and this kind of brings me perfectly onto the word of the game in that my word of the game is answers i think that this game answered lots of questions and showed that we have answers to certain things. We have answers to going down. We have answers to breaking down a mid block and low block. We have answers to squeezing up that pitch when we're under the cosh and just death by a thousand cuts, getting up that pitch, getting that ball, battling for every duel. You know, this doesn't feel like, um, this feels like, like you say, like a corner turn. This doesn't feel like the Arsenal of last season that would have drawn that game. This doesn't feel like the Arsenal of the season before that would have lost that game. You know, there's incremental improvements across the board from manager, from from players. You know, the substitution of Eddie Nketiah single-handedly changed and won us that game. Mm. Mm. Unbelievable performance from him. Yeah, it, um, I, I, I think you're right in terms of... We now have so many progressive options behind the ball, proper receiving options in front of the ball and players who can keep the ball, retain it and, 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 and keep and keep a squeeze and, and keep us high and keep those waves coming. That's a profile um, selection. And that's, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's coaching um, in terms of being able to get those combinations. I thought tactically it was a slightly interesting game because of the Zinchenko and Partey um, emissions or, um, what you know, uh, the, the, them being left out because of their injuries. Um, it looked a bit more like a pivot at times. I thought Xhaka might be able to go into his armchair a little bit more and it, and it looked like he did um, in that sort of left central midfield, left centre-back-ish slot, the sort of Zinchenko role at the moment. Uh, and Tierney slightly bombed on a bit more. Um, that changed. Tierney actually ended up inverting around sort of 30 minutes. I thought he ended up sort of in the in the Zinchenko role, which I think is interesting. Um, that he didn't start there, but then he went there. Whether Arteta felt we were losing control in the midfield or something, I don't know. Obviously, Tierney isn't ideal to go there, but um, it's something that that uh, was interesting to me. I felt this was a real coach's game. I felt this was a real two managers going at each other tactically and and trying to, to get something out of this because Arsenal had the ball and then Fulham and then it was about asking questions and it was about how do we how do we best attack the spaces as as Arteta said he even in his post-match said something about finishes which we've spoken about before in terms of starters of games and finishes of games which is a, a rugby actually uh, um, as uh, Clive uh, on the Arsenal Vision podcast talks about um, he's spoken about uh, in rugby they have starters and finishes and it's something that I think is coming into football because of the way the five subs rule um, happens and as you say in Ketia he changed the game in terms of how we approached it, it meant that Jesus could keep the line high and Ketia could drop in or vice versa I think we just collapsed the line slightly when Jesus was moving around so much which is going to happen in certain games in some games it's going to drag players out and in certain games they're going to be able to to keep the line as it is so, so credit to Fulham 
I thought there was a number of ways that we tried to make it work. At the start, it was the right pod. Saka and Odegaard trying to combine. I think we had a, a little bit of luck there. That started to be sussed out a little bit. Obviously, we switched to a sort of more of a 3-5-2 when Eddie came on. Um, we had Saka in the left half space at times. Um, we had uh, Erdegaard sort of dropping a bit more than he 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 has been. So there's a bit of a shift from 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 previous games because because we don't have Zinchenko and Partey. And I want to come to that left hand side because we've seen it absolutely exploding over the, over the past couple of sort of games, right? With Martinelli, Xhaka, and, and Zinchenko. You know, when you have someone, you have a uh, a top quality number eight, number 10 in Zinchenko playing left back, you know, so you, you have that quality in those deep areas. So he receives the ball, he touches it a lot and he, he, he gets us forward. We didn't have that. And then it's about finding the right solutions. And I felt as though that was, that we haven't quite found the balance of another way of playing when Partey and Zinchenko aren't there. Now that makes sense because we found something that really works there. And that hasn't been in and we're not particularly practiced at it. I just feel at the moment there's a different way of approaching that that I don't think we've found yet. Whether it's Vieira, whether it's Smith Rowe on the left hand, in the in the left eight with Tierney there. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see it on the pitch, but some kind of different combination if Partey is out. Because um, I don't mind. I personally, I know, I know, I know people, people might disagree with this. I don't mind El Nani there, because El Nani is always the release valve. Yes, he goes backwards. Yes, he goes sideways. But he's a reliable passer. I saw a stat that he completed fifty of fifty-one of his passes. He's not doing anything flashy. I didn't notice him. And yes, in a high, high-level team, that is a problem. I'm not suggesting El Nani should be there long term. I, I hope we see Sambi um, playing that that, that Partey role properly. But when Partey isn't there. Can we, you know, just one example, can we have Elneny in the DM role, who's just a release valve, who's receiving and playing to the sides, and then we play with a bit more of a sort of um, ball carrier in the left eight, uh, and Tierney bombing on, how does that, you know, those combinations work, Tierney's not the best in tight spaces, so I'd rather have someone knocking the ball over the top, which was happening at the beginning, so that balance that we found at the moment with Xhaka going ahead of Zinchenko, someone who can receive and progress, Martinelli as the runner, um, who can also combine really well. That's working. But when that's not there, I feel like we lose something. And I think there's there's something to be discovered there um, when that's not on the pitch. <sighs> El Nenny, El Nenny, El Nenny. Um, if we want to be successful and really start to hit the upper echelons, no, we can't keep El Nenny in the six. Because those moments of success are won and lost in those big games. And Elneny had a big hand in the mistake for um, for the goal. I, you saw him receive the ball and look up. And there was no passing option to the six or to, to Tierney at left back. And whilst he definitely should have made the decision to just fucking get rid of it at that point. Uh, he tried to play out of it and it just collapsed. So I, the prop, the problem with El Nani has and always will be that he gets stuck in the cover shadow. He gets stuck behind his marker consistently. It's almost like he's hiding from the ball, especially in certain phases and building out under pressure is where El Nani's a problem. Because if we've got the pressure in their half and he's mop just picking up the ball and passing it off to Xhaka or Erdegaard or Saka or one of the more technically gifted players to recycle possession and to to move forward, that's where El Nenny is is positive. That's where El Nenny is a is a is a good enough footballer. But when we're trying to build out, and especially when we're trying to build out under a press, El Nenny is almost like the training wheels on your bike and but they've gone a bit funky and they're not working properly he just isn't there enough to pick up the ball turn or pick up the ball and lay it off to to white or or, or tierney i think el Nini is less of a problem if we're playing uh zinchenko because then we have two really high quality passing hubs 
in White and Zinchenko inverting. But I really, if I'm Arsenal right now, I'm looking at the landscape of the league and going, there's a real opportunity. And I'm looking at the fact that, you know, it's a World Cup year, but there are lots of players in this squad who are amazing and are first 11 who might not go to the World Cup. And there are a lot of players in other teams who will be challenging, who think they'll be challenging for the league, whose first 11s will just go to the World Cup and they'll come back afterwards fatigued. If I'm Arsenal, I'm looking at this situation as a real opportunity to do something, to make a statement, to really push for third, second and just see what happens. And for me, uh, it's vital we get enough. We either start playing Sambi there to give him some game time because he is more progressive. He's also more physical. He has a better passing range. Or we, we, we get a new number six. Yes. Uh, I think going to the market always feels like a, um, an enticing option. Can we do that and get someone of the requisite quality with them knowing that Thomas Partey will be very likely ahead of them? Because to me, Thomas Partey is one of... In terms of a lone six, he's one of five to ten players in world football who can do it at that level. Um, that's how important he is. So to me, it's about finding, not necessarily just going and getting another deal. I'm not saying there's no one else in the world who can do it anywhere near his level. I think Sambi can in the end. I think there's other players who will. But in terms of getting the same level of quality and build-up, um, I don't know if we can do that in the market right now. So I think for me, it's about finding different solutions. And to me, El Nenny is a very reliable, deep passer. Now, he, I agree with your assessment that he can hide. And I, I, I'm not sure if you meant on, on the goal, him hiding was, was the issue. I, I, I personally don't agree with that. If, that, if, that, if that's what you meant, I'm not sure that's what you meant. Um, no, no, it's just he's not in a lane that Party would have been in to receive the ball. No, but I'm just looking at it now. And on, on that goal... Saka, I think it's Saka on the right hand side. Saka knocks it over. He should really probably play it to uh, Saliba. But Elneny's, I mean, yeah, okay, Elneny's not making himself available. But I, I think there's like a hundred and one other things that could have, you know, Ramsdale could have come out and smashed the ball. Do you know what I mean? So you know, you could, we could, we could go through and say, well, could Tierney be there? X, Y, and Z. Ultimately, it's Gabriel's mistake. I, I, I think Elneny does hide. But I'd be interested in finding different solutions with Elneny in, in the team and see if that can work. Because I think there is a quality there that can that can work for us if we have a Zinchenko around mm -hmm. him, if we had, say, Fabio Vieira, if we had a Smith Rowe, however we make that work. Do we need a ball carrier in there? Do we need someone who's who's you know best at combining uh, in small spaces or between the lines? Elneny can be progressive when he has options ahead of him, but he didn't, you know, Xhaka isn't the most reliable um, in terms of uh, receiving and, and, and Erdegaard was dropping a, bit, a little bit too deep. So we didn't necessarily see that from Elneny. So I just think it's about finding different solutions. I understand going to the market and go, well, we need a new six, we need a new six. I get that. But I just, I think in reality, I'm not sure someone's going to come in who we can turn to and go, here we go, play exactly the same way as Thomas Partey at exactly the same level or anywhere near the same level. No. I, I, think it's about for me finding different solutions i think that's kind of well i do the problem is we didn't have enough um players available yesterday to see what Arteta might, would have liked to have done i'm interested why we haven't seen fabio Vieira at all yet maybe it's just a game state thing I, i'm confused why we didn't see him against bournemouth that would have been the perfect opportunity but there you go i just think it's something to look at that left hand side um again we saw saka in the left half space i think that's also an option um yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the the sort of solutions that come out over the over the uh, the course of the season. I want to highlight Gabriel uh, Magalhaes. I thought he firstly reacted really really well to the error, but I thought he was fantastic um, at getting out and engaging them early. It's something he does really well. I think now he's got Saliba behind him, who is excellent. 1v1 and the sort of player that people just don't want to take on 1v1 in the sort of, I will say it, Van Dyke-esque way. Um, I think Gabriel has that security behind him now 
to know that there's someone there, someone big and physical behind him and he can step out. And I, I see him engage high really, really well, especially when he's been up for a corner. Um, he's often the person trying to take the ball off the uh, the, the transition, uh, off the, the transitioning um, uh, player um, and when it's the ball back. So I thought he was he was really good at that. And I think his, his role in that is certainly um, important. Tini's defending as well, we forget. You know, he was. I, I, I think we we missed the control and the metronome, as you put it, the sort of passing hub of Zinchenko. But I thought Tini did some great defending, which I think Ramsdale um, was really appreciating oh, at, yeah. at points. He, you could see there was moments of sort of one v ones, or he'd usher people out of play, and Ramsdale really appreciated it. I think Ramsdale really likes playing with Tini. Um, just before we go to the break, one more um, tactical thing, Jesus. Um, uh, I'd like to see him, I think sometimes he can be trying to do every job. And as as nice as it is to see him popping up in every single space under the sun, he can be a little bit, he, vac- he vacates the central zone so much that sometimes I think he's too close. So I saw you could throw a blanket over him. Sacro Nerdegaard at times and I'd love to see a run in behind or I'd love to see a yeah third man run or uh, a quick interchange and a go or something I felt a lot of the time he was static trying to receive the ball sort of with the Erdegaard disease of just wanting to receive the ball all the time um, I wonder if he can be ready for the run in behind I wonder if he can stay on the last line a bit more um, maybe that's just not his game and I think he facilitates a lot for us but at the moment he is sort of the outlet do you know what I mean? And it means we can have more people behind the ball, which is fine. But he, for me, he's a little bit... Um, I'd love to see him as a fulcrum a bit more, personally. I, I Again, I really need to watch this game back because I, it's... My view of it is very skewed by the view I had of the pitch. Um, but I, I'm sure you're right. One thing I would say is this team's starting to look a little fatigued. Um. I'm wanting some rotation now, please, Mick. Uh, really not Saka's best game. I would probably give him a rest against Villa in midweek and start Enket because I think Enketia was just he got a dog in him. You know, Sorry? just what a performance. He got that dog in him. Yeah, that dog. Um. Yeah, we will. I thought he was brilliant. I'd probably start. Jesus on the right uh, in midweek just to give Saka a sit down because there are certain members of this team who I'm starting to get worried about injury wise and who it is just a bit of a worry that I don't think it will be long before someone pulls up with a hamstring because we're not rotating enough and we're not rotating quick enough especially in those forward lanes it's another 90 minutes in a lot of legs there Um, and I feel like there really could have been some changes. Um, but hopefully we see that against Villa. I, I really hope Nketiah gets his chance to start because he's been immense coming off the bench in the last few games. Yep. Yeah, we could see some rotation. Um, that might put pay to some some Jesus' concerns. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss the winger stuff in uh, the second half. Feels that like we never get enough time on the game because I've got so much to say about it, but I'm sure we'll come to more uh, in the questions in part two. So we'll see you after this. At Carvana, we're in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. Carvana gives you control by letting you customize your down and monthly payments. You can browse tens of thousands of cars online to find one within your budget, and you won't get surprised with any bogus fees. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to shop for a vehicle. Carvana, we'll drive you happy. Availability may vary by market. News and Views Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Thank you to those of you who support us on Patreon. On patreon.com slash diffnog, you get ad-free access to versions of our podcasts for just £3 a month. But the most important part is... You're supporting the podcast YouTube and more for price of less than a coffee a month and helping us grow. It would really, really mean the world. Speaking of coffee, 
for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com slash up where you can... Buy me a coffee! The links are in the show description. There's a tweet in with a stat that's mad if it's true. At the kid side said, Yesterday's 2-1 victory was the first time the club has gone a goal down in the second half and come back to win since 2013. Is that true? Boy, nah. Is that true? If that's true, that is a crazy stat. It sounds true, to be fair. To be fair, go in the go in the replies. Go in the replies because normally that's where people are like no. That is, there's just someone inviting him to join a, a group on Telegram, so that's not uh, not very useful. Um, why do we see, uh, Dominique Shrub at Cheshire Canal says why do you think we didn't see the Smith Vieira and Sambi for Mo when we needed a goal after sixty minutes? Uh, little Gab, little Gabby, end match cramped up after effort. What? We need to protect Saka, minutes playing, and L, Gabby, Thomas, Zinni with their injury history, don't we? Sorry, Dominic. I, 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 that, was, that was my reading. Apologies. Um, I think... Um, you don't take the... You, 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 don't, you don't take the handbrake off for the sake of an extra tyre. I think you keep a six on, 100%. Yeah. Because the, especially when we were pushing up so high, there was a real risk of transition. So you you there was there was in no way in it in no way should have been the question that we keep that we take the six off to put another attacker on. I think where the substitutions are questionable was the was the 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 lack of bringing someone on earlier. But um, I think the problem is is after we brought Enketia on, it really changed the game. For the positive, we went, we were all over them. What I would then say is, is when you're chasing two goals rather than one, if your if your system is working, you don't want to change it again. Yeah. So I can understand why he didn't bring people off until the second goal. Again, I just think I would have brought more people off and quicker, uh, as in more people off quicker after that 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 second goal for me. Yeah, uh, I don't think you change it because it was working. Uh, as you said, um, yeah. we were getting a lot of chances. It felt like the goal was coming. There's no point changing that balance. Those players are understanding each other and, and getting getting an understanding. I think once the goal goes in, um, and, you know, we've got another game this week and we've got, I think we've got something like nine games in October. You know, these guys are going to get minutes. There's no problem there. Um once the goal goes in, I don't know if I'd bring anyone on because I think it was still a pretty fragile game. I think almost immediately after we scored, there was that there was that chance from Fulham where Ramsdale pulls out an unbelievable save. Shout out Ramsdale, by the way, who was un- unbelievable yesterday. You, some, you man of the match. Man of the match for me. Not for me, Erdogan for me, but but two really really important saves, really really important saves, and we forget about that sometimes. I think um, you know even. Um, there was a, a ball in from, I think it was a corner, and he adjusts his position just as he realises the ball's going to Mitrovic and makes a great save. He really, you know, as much as we played well at times and got some nice combination plays going and obviously got the win, Ramsdale definitely saved it yesterday, so, so shout out to him. But yeah, in terms of the question, I, I, I wouldn't have changed anything particularly. I understand why Mikel didn't do anything because you don't want to shift it too much. And then at eight, I think it was the 86th minute when it went in, at that point, we know the game state's going to shift. We don't want to make too many changes to try and to change something. If we were really stale, I would have been more frustrated. But actually, I want to credit Mikel because it was a very proactive substitution with the Inketia thing. Um, something he hasn't always done. It was very, I think it was on 60 minutes. It was very early. Um, and he uh, he brings off Tierney, which is, a again, a very attacking substitution. Goes to the three. Um, the right sub. And it's the right sub at the right time. And it got the right reaction, which so so credit to him. He looked in. He looked in Eddie's eyes and saw that he was ready for a fight. He looked in Alba's eyes and lost trust. <laughs> Loves looking in people's eyes. He got that dog in him. Yeah. Um, he got that dog in him. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Hussein Hajj Alwani said the same. He says another one is how Arteta reacted to our first goal and completely changed the shape of our team by taking Tierney out. We would never seen that big of a change last season. I completely agree. I think it was it was something that that we. 
we haven't seen as much proactivity, but actually it's more about, as I say, you know, Arteta talks about finishers. I think it's clearly something they've practiced and something he said, you know, they they look at and they look at and go, when we're in this situation, what do we do? We we can bring on an Eddie Nketiah, you know, we can practice that, right, guys, here's a training training exercise. You're one nil down, you're chasing the game. We're going to shift to a 3-5-2. Here's how we attack different spaces. Here's how we move through the phases when we're in these in these positions. Because immediately what happens is he comes on, you see him mouth, uh, I think he mouthed three five two or five three two, whatever it was. And it's you don't there's no great instructions. You know, it was just we're doing the thing. Um so clearly it's something they they've they've practiced and, and Mikel Mikel said that as well. So um one thing I would say is it's an absolute weapon to play to be able to play Ben White at right back so that then shifting that's gonna come into play a lot this season. Being able to shift to that three, get an extra attacker up front and shift Ben White from the the right back inverted right back role to being that third centre-back, it's it's lethal. It's lethal. You just saw we choked the life out of them after that happened. It was amazing to watch. Yep, yep. A couple of other bits on the game. Um, it was really nice to see Leno's kicking being just as I remember it. <laughs> Poor. <laughs> Let's say that. I mean, And his ability to claim crosses. Yeah. Don't forget that. Very flappy. Um, normally that is a that is the prime situation where a, a keeper comes back to the Emirates has an has literally the game of their lives and they somehow escape with a one one or a, or even a one nil. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you know he and he looked good at, at points. He had a couple of decent saves. The one from Saka was a good save. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm I don't think anyone's watching that game going what have Arsenal done here? I think we all we all sort of understand it. Um, I I also want to highlight uh, Anthony Robinson. At left back, who I thought had an excellent game. I think. Oh yeah. I don't. I see some people say. Well, you said earlier you thought Saka had a bit of a poor game. I think he. I think he got shut out of it to some. I think he was fine. Uh, I think he got shut out of it to some degree by Anthony Robinson because a lot of time he beats people one v one a lot, and Robinson was really really good one v one. He managed to get him a couple of times, and then even when Martinelli went over to that to that, that side, um, he didn't get any choice. So so credit to him. Um, the goals themselves, there's nothing much to say specifically on the goals, really. I mean, the Gabriel mistake is just a mistake. There's not much to say about it. He just should, should have got rid of it. It's that simple. It's There's no there's no great analysis of it. The goals, the first goal deflected. It's nice to see Odegaard taking more shots. Um, he said in a, a number of post-match interviews now that he... Um, he he wishes he'd taken a shot or he needs to take more shots or whatever. So it's good to see him doing that and it's paying off. Perhaps a slight monkey's lifted um, after the uh, uh, the Bournemouth game. Um, and then the final goal again was just pure scrap. After some poor set pieces um, from Martinelli, it was good to, from good to get oh one that, that came in. There, was, there were some really, really poor... Um, Probably his worst pieces. game in an Arsenal shirt, I think. It was it was and again. This is a very granular view because I had a very FIFA camera two D vision of the game, but a lot of misplaced crosses, passes. You know, had a good shot actually. I think that that got knocked wide by one of the defenders, but yeah, it, was a, it wasn't the best that we've ever seen from the Brazilian. Yeah, not not his best game. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I go and say it was worst. I I, I suppose similar to. To Alneni, I didn't notice him, which isn't necessarily a good thing. I'm not saying that. It's just that you know, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see Martinelli involve himself in the game. Um, but you know, the guy's the guy. What is he? Twenty, twenty-one. You know, he, he's going to have games where he's just not quite as as on it, and that's um, and that's completely understandable. Uh, just going to pivot slightly to a DM that we yeah. had from Pete. Oh. Who said, Hello, Pete. Good morning, Alex slash Bramley. Some long term botherment, technical term. It's been frustrating me that I clearly wasn't attending class when the origin of the Arsenal players' celebratory head slap was explained. <laughs> Where does this come from? I very much associate it with Lacquer, whom I do concede has an incredibly slappable head. But what does it all mean? Kind regards, Pete. And I thought on the goal, when 
when the, in the second goal, when Saliba had his unbelievable moment of celebration, which I absolutely loved, there was a lot of head slapping going on, uh, including a moment where the the um, steward thought that Zinchenko was a was a was a pitch invader. I don't know to, to answer your question, Pete. I think um, no fucking clue. I think it's a footballer. Do you know what I noticed in the All or Nothing documentary? They're very tactile with each other, and I think it might be a cultural thing. They're very, you know, Edu slaps Martinelli on like his sort of his back thigh, which if like my my boss did that to me, I'd be a bit like, oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think it's a I think it's a cultural Ooh. thing, but but that's the thing in in the UK we are all so emotionally repressed we can't you know actually show we care about each other because that's that's horrible um so i'll slap your thigh oh please do but like there's this sort of that that sort of you know how you doing slap slap on the back slap on the head sort of thing i think it's a very football thing i think because you've got in changing rooms together you're training together every day you're sort of as mikhail would say living together i'm not suggesting anything untoward bradley um you know it's sort of a there's a sort of physical tactility that they're all um, accustomed to and I guess the head slap goes with that that would be my guess um, it, I, I don't know I think it's a sort of slightly alpha males don't exist even though I really annoy people uh, by saying that um, it's it's pseudoscience guys um, but sort of an alpha male type sort of slap on the back show my dominance I don't know I don't know. I'm 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 slightly uh, slightly speculating here, but it is a speculative question. To be fair, any thoughts on that, Brad? I think it's probably just a cultural thing born from the fact that Lacazette had the sl- most slappable ball yeah. head I've ever seen. Maybe it is just, just maybe it's just carried on from that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just it just lives in the it's 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 La- it's Lacazette. That's that's Lacazette Arsenal's legacy. Yeah. Arsenal legacy. If Lacazette Arsenal legacy the is not slap. the Champions League, it's have it's putting the slapped heads. In the team, which is what we really needed. That's what we really needed. Um, also wanted to point out Erdegaard as captain. I thought he was excellent yesterday. I mean, Erdegaard's performance yesterday was unreal in terms of his close control, in terms of how he played as that space, in terms of the way he took the ball, tried to make things happen. But I also thought there was a lot of moments, especially with the refereeing, don't, where he managed to... <laughs> I just I say the word referee and I can just feel Brad go. Uh, uh, uh. Um, I thought there's a lot of moments where he managed to sort of marshal the game quite nicely and and stop. For example, he said uh, at one point the the camera was close on him and he, and he said go away to Gabriel. He's like go away. There's a couple of moments where he pushed uh, Jesus away from the referee and stuff. He was quite sort of a, a bit of a calming influence. And I think with the team with a what feels like a lot of quite sort of high energy fiery characters, you know the Ramsdales, the Gabriels, the Jesuses. Um, it's nice to have Light. that sort of... Here's another one. Yeah, that sort of calming calming influence in, in Erdegaard. Agreed, agreed. I I do really need to watch the whole game back because I, I think he probably had an amazing performance. But again, other than some good close control and, and a couple of decent passes, with the view that I had, it's it's really difficult to get a true understanding of the game. Um, But what I would say is there was... There, Listen, the, I think the referee was absolutely abhorrent yesterday. I thought he was absolutely dreadful. Um, my mother described him as myopic and needed to, and her own words, the twat needed to go to fucking Specsavers. <laughs> um, she did not hold back. Um, you can see where I get it from. I think she chanted more than I did at one point. It was quite fun. Um there were every time there was a foul, it felt like Erdegaard was there in the referee's ear going like, are you going to card him now? Or, or, or are we going to, how many, what's going on? How many more times? Um, one thing that he also does is uh, there was a lot of time wasted in the first and second half that wasn't added on. And that's going to become a real problem in the premier league. Cause it, it, as, if I'm a fan, what sat there watching and I'm a, uh, watching a referee allow Bernd Leno to lie on the ball for 10 to 12 seconds before even getting up and then think about distributing it without giving him a card at all throughout the whole game. I'm going to, you know, it's going to start, it's going to start becoming much more of a conversation and it, it, it's starting to get really, really annoying. 
but he puts his hand up and waves at the referee every time an opposition player is wasting time from a free kick, from a goal kick, from whatever. And that's another real captain's moment to see that he's in tune and aware to make the referee go, well, it's happening again. Come on, fucking do something about it. Um, Absolutely the right choice for me. I think he's been brilliant as captain so far. Yep, yep. Last question on the game before we go to some news. Uh, Prince at Prince4028-2990 said, is there a tactical tweet limiting Saka? I assume you mean tweak limiting Saka, Prince. Uh, And just to contextualise this, Bakayo Saka hasn't scored from open play in his last 14 games for Arsenal. His last one was netted against Aston Villa. Well, we're playing Villa in the week. Let's get it done, boys. I don't think so. I, I th- if you look at all the underlying stats, which I know no one cares about, but they do matter. They do matter, in my opinion. The sort of the goal probability stuff, the attack value added, all that sort of stuff. He's high on that. I think he, in terms of his role, he's a, he receives it really well, combines really well, carries really well, gets us up the pitch. His ability to hold on to the ball, I, I said to my partner when I was watching the game, is is top class. It's it's one of the best in the league, if top three, five in the league in terms of actually someone who can retain a ball in, in high and tight areas. Bukai Saka is, is, is top, top, top. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think I think he got overloaded in a couple of games I think against Bournemouth. They put two on him. Um, I, don't, I don't see it as any great issue. I think basically our left side has been firing so much and Saka's been carrying our club for so long that we basically go what's going on when he's not absolutely carrying us because we don't need him to anymore. Um, if 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 he's still this quiet in five, ten games, I might start thinking, okay, what's going on? I don't see it as a problem. But, you know, I also don't I also don't see it as some great, you know, Saka's out of form. Or he's, I don't think he's particularly, he's playing really well. It's just that, you know, like there was a moment on commentary with Alan. Final Alan. moments. It's it's final moments. And that's what the game was yesterday. It was final moments that we couldn't make it work. Alan Smith, you know, the whole game was running through Erdegaard and Saka for the first 20 minutes. And on commentary, Alan Smith said, you know, Saka, five sort of five minutes went by where Saka didn't have the ball or anything. And Smith went, oh, you know, compared to his usual high standards, I think he's lost a bit of confidence. Wherever. I was like, if Saka had scored in that first like two minutes or whatever, if like if one moment if the ball had bounced slightly differently and he played exactly the same in terms of his combination play in terms of his movement in terms of how how influential he was on the game you'd all be saying look at this guy he's got to start for England da, 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 da. so if it's if it's the difference between one kick of the football that he's in unbelievable form playing really well and out of form and has no confidence then that tells me that perhaps he's closer than we think so you know it, you know I, I think he's playing if he was losing the ball etc all the time. Fair enough, but I, I I don't think he is. I think he's, I think he's playing fine. I think there's a bit of a, I think he, he does look a bit tired earlier in games than he was looking. And I guess this brings us on to the winger chat, which might be a good time to have it. Yes. The, the, uh, he needs to be sat down for a few games, I think. Not because of form, not because he's playing poorly, but just because like the boys played like three and a half minutes three and a half thousand three and a half he's played three and a half minutes alex uh three and a half thousand minutes for like two seasons in a row now and the european championship and he'll go and start at the world cup like it's not going to be long before serious injuries are had he needs a break the poor lad is is running himself ragged um but yeah obviously the the mystery winger who was the friends that we made along the way has been revealed. Single man, reveal yourself. Yes. Well, I mean, he still got an assist yesterday. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad. Um, yes, Pedro Neto. Um, we don't have time to particularly go into um, his, his strengths and weaknesses, but I think someone who is direct, someone who can play both sides, someone who plays in that kind of really front-footed, aggressive way is exactly what we need. Um, I think Saka, as you say, would benefit from someone like that who can just, you know, just take 30 minutes off him at the end of that game um, and make, mean he's completely fresh for, for midweek because he will probably be, you know, he's not going to be in the red zone. It's near the beginning of the season. It's only August, right? But he's 
you know, it would be good to say, actually, B, we're going to have you for the last, for the second half, or, you know, we're going to bring you on at halftime or whatever in the Villa game um, to ready to make an impact. And then it's one of those games, if you come on and win the game, that's a big boost and it's a big sort of, you know, you're back and, you know, you've, you've kick-started your season and the narrative completely shifts around you. So I think having that option will really benefit both both Saka and Martinelli. As you say, um, news in the week around Pedro Neto coming out um, that he is our, according to David Ornstein, is our top wing target. Um, I like the player. I like the player. I, I, I'll i be honest, you know, I've watched him in the Premier League. I've watched comps of him, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to sit here and say I know X, Y, and Z about him. But what I do know is that he is a very, very direct, very quick player, someone who can uh, work, I think, do exactly what we need in terms of on both sides, stretching and linking, staying out wide and cutting inside which is what we want. I think we're just too limited what by Smith Rowe and Pepe last season. Um, and I think can, can operate in central zones as well. So I like it. Yeah, but I think its impact on Sacra Martinelli will be huge if we can get someone in. And I surely, surely we don't let Pepe go if we're not pretty confident we can get a winger in. Surely. Yeah. Yeah. And Wolves have spent a fair amount of money something like 42 and a half on, on their new central midfielder Nunez and, and 30 something on Goncalo Guedes from Valencia. So I wonder if there's a need to sell an asset FFP wise or, or, or whatever. Um, I think we'll get somebody in. I'm hoping it's our top target. And Pedro Neto looks like a really exciting option. You know, especially after the start of the season, I've really moved away from the idea that we need to replace Martinelli in the lineup and go for a starting left winger or that we need to replace, we need to layer somebody like a Sane on top. Obviously, that would be amazing and really take us up a level. But getting somebody in near the same quality of Martinelli and Saka, who's also young and can grow, is just as good an idea, especially yep. for where this this team is right now. Yep. Yeah, I think I think we just need someone who can come in and do a, basically a similar job to them because what they're doing is perfect, you know, and 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 the growth potential that they have is 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 exactly right for what we need right now. I would not hate Wilfred Zaha because um, I still I think uh, no. you know if we can look if if we can do a decent deal for it. He's about eighty five years. He's old. not eighty five. He's twenty nine. I I think he'd be fine for a, if we if we gave him a. Three, four year deal, stuck him on comparative wages. I wouldn't hate it. I, I, I think we've done enough work on the squad now that that wouldn't become a problem. Um, and I think we'd be getting a very, very good player, but that's just, just my opinion. Um, last thing on that then, done the Pepe loan, uh, done, done the Neto news. Uh, Arsenal been drawn against Brighton in the third round of the Carabao Cup and our Europa League group uh, is PSV Eindhoven, Bodo, Glimpt, and FC Zurich, which uh, I'm sure everyone uh, has been doing their scouting reports Just on them. Um, did you see Spurs will be playing Alexis Sanchez, Nuno Tavares, and Matteo Guendouzi at some point in the Champions League? That is, Mate, they've got a hard group. Spurs? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got a hard Champions League group. Have they? Who am I just making that up? I think so. Got... Hang on, Spurs getting Champions League group. They got no, they got they got Marseille, Sporting, and Eintracht Frankfurt. They're fine. That's not an e- That's not an easy group. Sorry, you're saying Eintracht Frankfurt just. There's, you're saying that Marseille, Sporting, and Eintracht Frankfurt isn't a, a comparatively easy group. Come on. Well, Eintracht just won the Europa League. They're a decent side. Unless, again, it, I guess it depends on, like, I guess with Marseille, they've just lost Saliba. You know. No, he wants him. to go back, mate. Mikel Arteta Saliba. must hate him. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't think that's... I can see them fucking dropping out of that. I think that'd be funny. I think they will. To Alexis Sanchez, last-minute winner, where he, rev- he pulls off his top and reveals his Arsenal tattoo on his chest. It's just him playing a piano, but but in an Arsenal top. Um, right, we just got time, Brad, for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. The theme last time was Brazilian goal scorers for Arsenal, and I asked you, Danielson signed in two thousand six, two thousand seven. In what season did he score his first league goal for Arsenal? 
In what season did Nielsen score his first league goal? 2012-2013. He signed in 06-07. Yeah, and I'm saying 12-13 because he was shit. I don't think he was here in 12-13. I will check that. <laughs> Denilson Arsenal. Uh, guess again while I'm doing that. Uh, 09-10. He, yeah, he had gone by 2010. He went in the summer of 2011. Okay. It was uh, 08 09. Not far, uh, not far. Theme for this well, week was not, not far. Not Brazilians far. for Arsenal in 2004, 2005, uh, similar to our good run, our three games in a row run. Uh, and the question is, how many games did Edu Gaspar start for Arsenal in the 2004-2005 season? The question for this week is, how many games did Edu Gaspar start for Arsenal in the 2004-2005 season? A theme. Rock the gas bar. Please. Scrambly Brapples. <laughs> uh, the theme is going to be based on the tweet that you read out. Uh, do a question based off of the last game we conceded. Uh, we went down in the second half too, but still won. <whistles> Lovely stuff. Someone messaged me the other day and said, uh, love the podcast you do with, is it Bramley? And I was like, people actually think your name is Bramley. <laughs> really? <Yeah>. Fucking hell. <laughs> It'd be a great name. If you don't know where that, com- that, that uh, came from, that's what I will name my son. Um, my girlfriend woke up one morning and she was really sleepy and she said, are you off to do a podcast with Bramley Apples? Because she, uh, she, possibly intentionally mis- messed up Brad's name um, and there it is that's why it's called Bramley Scrapples Scrambly Brapples Bramley Apples Brad pleasure as always always mate always thanks as always for listening we appreciate you very much we'll be back after Villa um, keep a different knock look after yourselves don't listen to Richard Keys. Uh up the Arsenal and we'll see you later peace Thank you so much for listening to The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support The Different Knock, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. We're on all social media at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.